What If the Len Bias Story, hosted by Jordan Ritter Khan, is The Ringer's latest narrative podcast. You can find new episodes every Wednesday on the Book of Basketball 2.0 feed. Here's a quick trailer. You've heard his name, Len Bias, 1980s phenom, second pick in the NBA draft. And then, cocaine, tragedy, one of the most shocking deaths in sports history. 35 years later, Bias's legacy is still making an impact. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, this is What If, the Lynn Bias story. I'm Jordan Ritter Khan. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I wanna wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Oh, hold up. Smell test. Go ahead. Sniff those pits. Now, your bits. Feet, toes, come on. Ugh. Could be fresher, right? It's all good. Old Spice Total Body Deodorant Spray is gentle enough to use all over your body, giving you 24-7 lasting freshness with daily use, from pits to toes and down below. So every smell test gets a <sighs> shop for Old Spice Total Body Deodorant. This is the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. My name is Danny Kelly, and I am joined today by the one and only, the third string quarterback for the Los Angeles Chargers, Craig Horlbeck. Craig, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> Nicely done, DK. Good job on the <laughs> intro. Heifetz is gone. Yeah, for our regulars. Danny Heifetz right. is on vacation this week. That's why you're hearing my voice first. Um, so Craig and I, you know, we're just going to soldier on without him, and we're just going to do this dang thing. Uh, we broke down last week our top pass-catching targets for 2021. Now, mind you, these are our early targets. Midsummer, you know, things could change. We could get enamored with other players. These are in the our um, Midsummer quarterback targets. <laughs> I've actually never seen that movie, by the way, but I, I understand it's horrific. I will never watch it. It looks so scary. <laughs> um, so last week we did the top pass-catching targets. This week we are going to move to quarterbacks, which is obviously a juicy conversation. Lots of um, lots of very interesting aspects of it. I think first first off, like let's just start with who is the QB1 this year? Like who is the top guy? in your mind? Is it just the obvious answer, Mahomes? It's a really hard conversation to have, honestly. Like, I, I think it's harder <laughs> than it's been in, like, the past few years. I kind of think there's two options. There's the safe pick and the risky pick. Uh, yeah. The safe pick is Mahomes. I think the risky pick is Kyler Murray. I, I mean, it's not really yeah. risky, but it's, yeah. like, that's, like, the sexier pick. You know what I mean? Totally. So... I think the Mahomes thing is interesting because he is not as much of a rushing quarterback as I'd say like the rest of the top tier of quarterbacks are. He's not going to be a guy that they're designing run run game stuff around. They're not running the read option, generally speaking, with him. He's more of a scrambler. I've heard the term tactical scrambler thrown around mm, in the fantasy, sure. fantasy realm. So 
he would, I think, fall under that category, but he's just such a damn good passer that you're getting that floor. You're getting you're getting the floor and the ceiling with Mahomes. Um, however, you know, when it comes to like Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, um, you know, and then we can name a couple other guys, which we'll talk about on the show. Uh, obviously, Lamar Jackson rushing yeah. is such a big, big part of their game. It's like, a, it, you know, just you're talking about thousand yard potential rushers with Lamar Jackson. Kyler Murray last year, before he hurt his shoulder and things kind of tapered off for them. He was he was basically the wide receiver one. Or sorry, the the quarterback one because he, he was, was better so than often. he was better than Lamar's 2019 season. He was on pace to break Lamar's season. Yeah, I think he had 10 touchdowns, 10 rushing touchdowns in his first 10 games uh of last season. And then obviously they kind of they pulled back on the reins a little bit because he had hurt his shoulder and and things definitely fell apart from there from. But I think what you're talking about is Kyler Murray, if things get back to how they were earlier, they so they use him a lot in the in the red zone, especially. That's why he was scoring so many rushing touchdowns, I think. And he's just that RC car speed where it's just you blink and he's gone. He's not like a Cam Newton gonna dive over the pile kind of guy. He's just like they spread things out and then you know the the defense essentially just can't account for as many <laughs> players as they have, you know, downfield. So um yeah, I guess, you know, there is no easy answer to who the quarterback one is in, in 2021. Right now, per our rankings, the top 150, we have Mahomes at 46, Josh Allen at 48, and Kyler Murray at 50. So there's this really tight little tier there. And I think yeah. any, way you, any way you put it, I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't really even, like, blink an eye if you had things differently there. I'm already changing, like, the way I thought about quarterback two weeks ago or three weeks ago when we made these rankings. Like, I already think I'm going to kind of like reshuffle some things. I think that, I mean, we've talked about it on this pod a bunch. JJ Zacharyson's pod is called the Late Round QB Podcast. Like the idea behind drafting a quarterback late was very popular in, in like the analytical fantasy community. Mm-hmm. Like everyone was like, wait on QB. You don't need it. Like the QB, just just, just draft Matt Ryan. I feel like we've said that a minute. Just draft Matt Ryan. Just draft Matt Stafford. Like you'll be fine. Don't waste your fourth round pick on whoever. And, you know, potentially lose out on a on a league-winning running back like a James Conner who could explode, you know, like he did a few right. years ago. The opportunity but cost was just so great, yeah. That is no longer the case. Quarterback, I think, matters now. The stigma needs to change. Yeah. Like, it's because of the running. It's You talk about it all the time, the Konami code. Quarterbacks mm-hmm. just score more points than they used to. And they score more points compared to, like, the average quarterback. And I think that's what's the biggest difference. I went back and I looked yes. at the last 10 years of quarterback scoring. And since the emergence of like Deshaun Watson in twenty in seventeen, Holmes Mahomes in eighteen, Lamar in nineteen, Kyler in twenty twenty, quarterbacks didn't really explode like this, other than the Manning year in twenty thirteen. The difference yeah. between the best guy and the average guy wasn't that big, which is why you would wait on quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I actually, so I did the math here. So the difference between the quarterback one and the quarterback twelve, the best quarterback and the twelfth best quarterback over the last ten years. It's wide. The gap has gotten so much bigger. In 2012, the quarterback one averaged 21 points a game, and the quarterback 12 averaged 16. There's a five-point difference. Yeah, yeah. And you're talking like 10-round difference between drafting these guys or something, right. you know? And it's like five points. Big freaking deal. In yeah. 2019 and 2020, the quarterback one averaged 28 a game, and the quarterback 12 averaged 18, a 10-point difference. Mm. Yeah. So that's it. I mean, that's like the whole thing right there. And running backs and wide receivers, I checked, have pretty much stayed the same. Oh, that's interesting. Quarterbacks should just go higher now because yeah. the elite group, the top tier, are are so much better than the rest because they run. And I think eventually there will be 12 
to 15 Kyler Murray's and Deshaun Watson's and Russell Wilson's. And then and it'll, it'll even go back, back out again. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But right now we're in that transition period. Yeah, and I've been a long-term subscriber to the late round quarterback idea. Like in the old, like in like you said, in the old days, you can get, you know, Philip Rivers in yeah. the like later rounds, and he just Carson does just Palmer. fine for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but now with you know with a uh, that running ability, and and when we when you mentioned the Konami code, basically what that alludes to is quarterback rushing is essentially a cheat code in fantasy football because the scoring settings. Uh, favor rushing. In other words, a passing touchdown in most standard like scoring leagues is four is four points. Thank God Heifetz isn't here. I know he he would just be losing his mind. <laughs> he just cannot grapple with the. He's fact. like they're both touchdowns. They should be the same points. <laughs> can, can you just play Heifetz? Like just just be Heifetz right now. He's like, I'm gonna lose my mind over this. Daniel Jones is the greatest quarterback <laughs> the Giants have ever seen. Yeah. Uh, no, but anyways, you know, so passing touchdowns are four points. Rushing touchdowns are six points. Quarterback, obviously, you know, you're, the rushing yards are worth more than passing yards uh, in in most scoring settings. So that's where the Konami code comes from. That's why it is a quote-unquote cheat code, even though, you know, Heifetz is just out of his mind upset about everything. Like, this isn't changing. Like, they're not going to automatically just change the rules <laughs> of the fantasy football. Um, however... Uh, yeah, basically at the end of the day, it does make these rushing quarterbacks, the, the quote, dual threat quarterbacks, so much more valuable, um, you know, in, in fantasy and, and relative to the top passers in the NFL, even like a Tom Brady, like who is a, it's one of the elite the passers in the game still, like you, he's not going to add that rushing ability. So let's just get into it. I think we're going to separate this out first. Um, into two things, basically our top targets, and then some late round sleepers that we're really excited about, maybe like grabbing as our quarterback too. Um, you know, in a, in a one quarterback league, just like the backup option or whatever, just take a flyer on some of these guys. But first, let's do our top targets. Basically, these are the guys that we think have that league winning upside or or and or are like incredible values. So why don't you kick it off? Well. So yeah, top targets is interesting because it's not like sleepers. Like ever, like the people we mention are not like not all of them are going to be like right, nineteenth right. best quarterback like Drew Locke. No, like I'm starting with Lamar because he's our quarterback five, which I think is too low. Part of that is because he feels of like me. such a value this year. It's crazy. I totally yeah. agree. Totally agree. He's one year removed from the greatest quarterback fantasy season of all time. He had 421 <laughs> points. Yeah, um, which was 73 more than any other quarterback that year. Um, and then even if you go back to last year, I mean, he was the QB eight in points per game which is fine. It was disappointing because he went one or two overall. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the big talk was his quarterback or his touchdown rate. It was like, oh, he threw 9% touchdown rate in 2019. He'll never be able to do it again. Well, he threw 6.9 last year, which was tied for third in the league. Yeah. Still highly efficient. I mean, he was right. still highly efficient quarterback or uh, sorry, touchdown throwing quarterback. His, I would say, overall efficiency numbers probably weren't super great, but like, I think that there is a lot of variables at play. I, I'll let you finish your 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 take here, but I, I think there's a lot of signs pointing to a improvement this year for Lamar Jackson in my mind. Well, one, you know, their offense, the skill set around him hasn't been great. Uh, they've added Sammy Watkins. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever you think about that is your own opinion. Uh, Watkins is fine, and they added Rashad Bateman, who could end up being like a number one guy. Their best offensive lineman, Ronnie Staley, was hurt last year. He was out. Stanley, Ronnie Stanley. Stanley. Stanley, yeah. he missed half the uh, half the season. Um, he'll be back, but with Lamar, he, he has that. He's the only quarterback ever to rush for a thousand yards back to back years. He he, he just has that safety. Uh, it, it, you know, he's only had less than sixteen and a half fantasy points four times since he's become the starter. 
which is insane. I mean, yeah. Saquon Barkley hasn't had a good year since his rookie year, and every year we put him in the top three. And Lamar is already <laughs> out of the top three, and he had like one above average year. He just he just didn't play at a Hall of Fame pace, and he's already not in people's top threes. Um, yeah. So yeah, take it away. Why do you think Lamar's value? So yeah, I mean, I think number one. The big worry, or there's a couple of big worries with Lamar Jackson. Everybody remembers like the egregious overthrows towards the sideline that he'll make. And that's like still a legit concern. I think, you know, his accuracy downfield, especially on outside the hashes, has been a little bit hit and miss in his yeah. first couple of years. And then obviously the other thing that people are still, I think people might still be worried about this. I don't know. I can't get in their heads, but he's kind of skinny and people are worried he's going to get hurt, right? They're going to worry that they're worried that he's like too fragile or something. Did you read that article on fantasy points? I think Scott Barrett wrote it about running quarterbacks and getting injured. Uh, I think that was, yes, was I not, did read that. I think it was not Scott. I couldn't, I can't remember off the top of my head. It was, I think it, Dr. Edwin. His point was that there's literally no evidence to show that running quarterbacks get hurt more than non mobile quarterbacks. And that's actually the other way. You pretty much get hurt more standing in the pocket and taking sacks than you do as a rusher, because as a rusher, you are like aware of what's going on and you're ducking out of bounds and you're diving and you know when the hit is coming. Meanwhile, mm -hmm. you're in the pocket and you're turned around and your tackle blew an assignment and you just get clocked and like tear your ankle or something like that. Like Or like someone pushes your left tackle into you and he falls on right. your knee and it's like 350 pounds on your knee or whatever. <laughs> so yeah, it does make sense. So it, it was Dr. Edwin Porras. I believe it was him who, who put it together. And I think it's absolutely... Like it just it's logical, you know. The pocket is a dangerous place to be, honestly, in terms of like there's bodies flying around, especially at your lower body. I mean, like, look at what happened to like Joe Burrow. Like, I can see that's happening to Tom Brady more than I can Lamar. Like, Lamar seems to be like he would be in that position way less times than somebody like Tom Brady who's just standing there like a statue. Yeah. I think Lamar's he Lamar too is just he's got a knack, and I know that that's like not a scientific way of putting it, but he's got a knack for getting tackled where it doesn't ever really look like he gets hit that hard, you know? And he's like, he'll slip a guy at the last second so he just doesn't get blown up. Like, some quarterbacks yeah. just get absolutely annihilated, and Lamar Jackson doesn't. Um, and then the other thing I think that's just really important to remember is um, we did not think Josh Allen was going to make a jump as a passer in year three last year. Like, not to say that every bad passer now is going to turn into this elite passer like Josh Allen did. Obviously, that's not how yeah, it works. Yeah, he's tricked all, he's brainwashed all of us. I'm hyper aware of that, that Josh Allen was the outlier and that Lamar Jackson isn't automatically going to do that. However, I will say that Lamar Jackson, I do think um, the team has, you know, done what exactly what the Bills did in putting weapons around their quarterback to help him, to make his job easier, to give him more support. You know, obviously the run game is a huge, huge part of the Ravens offense and they've done everything um, in the last few years to really bolster that and make it good. They have a good offensive line, all that. That's not that's not changed. However, they have spent two out of the last three first-round picks on receivers. They are telling us, this This isn't us reading tea leaves and being like, and hoping, you know, like, oh, if if Lamar Jackson, I really just hope he turns. Like, this is the opposite us, of the Green Bay Packers draft strategy. <laughs> yes, exactly. They're telling us they want to be more efficient at passing and better at passing. They know what they can do on the ground. They know that they're going to, Basically, have the best run game in the NFL, you know, even before the year starts. We know that's going to be the case because they have Lamar Jackson. They've their offense is just, you know, geared towards that. However, I do think it does matter that they went out and added Sammy Watkins, who I'm not a big I'm not a believer 
you know, get that he's out of the way. Fine. Right away. I think he's fine. But I mean, they, take this for what you will. He has been. I saw an ESPN article today saying it was like off-season um, surprises or, or people that are flying under the radar. And Sammy Watkins was the one for the Ravens. He's apparently like blowing it up in OTAs. That doesn't mean anything. And obviously, health has been an issue for Watkins, and he just disappears. He's very inconsistent. Whatever. Um, that dude loves week ones, though. You oh my god, put him in your da- yeah. put him in your daily lineup week one. He'll have 190 <laughs> yards. At the end of the day, like Sammy Watkins, I think is a solid veteran presence. He's going to be like as good or better than anyone else that the Ravens had outside of Marquise Brown last year at the receiver position. And then getting Rashad Bateman involved also, I think, is going to help. Third downs, key areas where, you know, they're not going to be able to run play action. They're not going to be able to do read option. Third third and 10, they need to drop back, pass the ball. Like, these are important situations for the offense. These are some of the situations that have gotten the Ravens in trouble, especially in the playoffs the last couple of years, where, you know, you're just asking Lamar to be a drop back passer, which he hasn't. Um, you know, proven himself to be quite yet, like at a high level. And I think getting Sammy Watkins, Rashad Bateman, I mean, think about who they had last year at receiver outside of Marquise Brown. It was like Willie Sneed and Miles Boykin, <laughs> who is not a thing. And it's like, you know what I mean? Like they're they're definitely highly upgrading their receiver core, I think. And I think Rashad Bateman come in and immediately be like the go-to guy in this offense. Move Marquise Brown to number two. Um, I think it could have a big impact impact on their passing game. And so, yeah, I think they're telling us they want to be better at passing. They want to be more efficient at passing and that they're, that's a huge focus for them. They spent two first round picks on receivers in the last three years. Yeah. Um, it's not like me just wait, hopeful thinking that they're going to improve as a pass, passing team. I think they want to improve as a passing team, especially when it matters. There's a difference between being like the best quarterback in the league and the best fantasy quarterback in the league. I'm, I mean, like Lamar is probably a top 10 quarterback in the league, but like he doesn't have to be Aaron Rodgers with his arm to give right. you the value you want. I mean, if you look at like Aaron Rodgers last year, what did he have? 48 touchdowns and five picks. He scored 1.4 more points per game than Lamar. <laughs> and then he had the <laughs> greatest the season of, of his career. Yeah. Right. The other thing I was going to bring up, and sorry to interrupt you, is just like, we're all so excited about Kyler Murray and rightfully so. But mm-hmm. Kyler hasn't exactly been lighting it up as a passer either. You no. know what I mean? It's like there, there's, I, I feel like for whatever reason, people are just like, oh, Lamar Jackson. Maybe it was like all the pre-draft crap narratives about how he should be a receiver or how he's just... Yeah. You talk about Lamar Jackson on Twitter, people still reply he's running back. It's like, come on, <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> so, I don't know. I think it's like um, there's some narratives here at play and obviously, like, you know, recency bias is a big part of it. Lamar, uh, Kyler was massive in fantasy for half the year last year, so um, that could be driving it too, but... You know, yeah, yeah. I look at this team and I say they don't have to be highly, highly, uh, they don't have to be super pass heavy or like have a ton of passing volume. Um, they just need maybe like marginally improve their pass rate and, and uh, improve their efficiency. And maybe Mark Andrews doesn't drop 17 balls this year or whatever. And like all of a sudden this offense just looks a lot better. And Marquise Brown isn't relied on as the one, number one guy, go to guy. That's just not who he is. So I don't yeah. know. I'm definitely very bullish on Lamar Jackson. I think you're right. Like, why do we have him at QB5? I think we're probably like underestimating him. I mean, right. Like he's he's in the top tier. And I feel like usually when you have top tiers, you should just take the last guy in the tier because that means he's the best value. And, mm-hmm. you know, finding the guys who aren't in top tier is also usually the goal of a fantasy season in your offseason. You want to find the guy who will be in that tier the next year. And actually, 
Kyler Murray was the big guy last year, right? He was the third mm -hmm. consecutive sophomore quarterback to finish as the overall quarterback one. Mahomes did it, Lamar did it, then Kyler did it. The which leads jump. us to yes. which leads us to your guy. We have a couple of sophomore quarterbacks coming into the season. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm like afraid this is a little too obvious, but I think right now people think you're saying people think you're gonna say Herbert. Oh, really? No, I'm going with Jalen Hurts for the Eagles. I think Herbert certainly does have a ton of upside. Um but he's not in the same category as a rusher as any of right. these other guys. Jalen Hurts right. is a legitimately good rusher. Like if you go back and watch some of his uh, some of his highlights when he was a starter, um, he's picking up chunk yards, and he looks like a running back. And he's very natural. Um, he's not like a, a he's not like an explosive guy, RC car guy like uh, Kyler Murray in terms of a runner. He's more like a running back, I would say. And that can be very, very powerful, especially if they design a run game around him, use him in the read options, especially use him in the red zone, where I think he could have a huge, huge impact. Um, so right now, Jalen Hurts, his consensus ranking, according to Fantasy Pros, is 94. We've got him at 86, so we're a little bit above consensus on him. And I think we might even be too low on him. I'm like, I'm, I'm getting very excited about what they could do in, in this offense. I think the Eagles offensive line is going to be gr greatly improved. If you remember last year, they had a couple of their key guys. Andre Dillard went down. Uh, Brandon Brooks went down. Lane Johnson only played seven games. Um, they, they had a lot of issues on the offensive line. Obviously, their skill position group was a disaster. I mean, they had Travis Fulgham came out of nowhere. He was like their number one guy for a while. Greg Ward, former AAF star, was like, legit number one um they had injuries everywhere and like the entire like team like the front office was in turmoil it was just like it a was a cluster it was a huge clusterfuck and and i it, it would be difficult i think for any rookie to come in especially the one the situation jalen Hurts came into where he's taking over for an established guy who had been within the last few years an mvp candidate in jalen uh in carson wentz and coming in and doing what he did, which I thought was pretty impressive. Obviously, his passing stats were not super impressive. That was definitely lowered by his final game where he got benched. It was, was it halftime or after three quarters? I can't remember. That game was atrocious as a pass. Uh, you know, he just like, was like six yeah. of 20-something or something like that. It was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, we were, we're not talking about that. Yeah, we'll skip that. Just forget about that little guy. Um, <laughs> but I will say, I thought he was pretty impressive, honestly, all things considered, uh, you know, both as a runner and, a, and as a passer. He averaged uh, 22.5 points per game during his full three starts from weeks 13 to 15. In that stretch, that would have put him seventh among quarterbacks. And he did that again with an offensive line that was a disaster, a skill group that was a disaster. Now he gets Devontae Smith, I think, who, who falls in and... and immediately is sort of like the number one go-to guy. I think that bumps Jalen Rager, who was a very disappointing rookie, over to more suitable number two spot. I think that's like more his role where yeah. he can like move around the formation. They can use him at, on jet sweeps, little crossers, things like that. Um, they still have Dallas Goddard, who we've been expecting to make a big jump, and I think he could He this is year. good. Dallas Goddard yeah. is undeniably good. He's legit good. good. Yeah. yeah. Miles Sanders, also very talented. He's never yeah. really made the jump jump, but I think he's a talented guy that can give, give them like a good foundation on the ground also feature in the passing game. You know, he like as a rookie, he was like making pass, making uh, receptions downfield, like vertical routes. Like he's got the talent in, in the passing game. Um, now again, I'm, I'm very aware that Jalen hurts just did not light it up as a passer, as a rookie. In fact, 52% completion rate, bad six touchdowns, four interceptions, bad 77 passer rating, bad his 4.1% touchdown rate. Very bad. But I think a lot of that is, <laughs> You know, it can go, it, it's, 
it's related to the situation. He's coming in for this like, you know, cluster of a team that like coaches are ignoring the front office. The front office is putting pressure on the coach, like all this stuff. There's just all this drama. Um, and so I think, you know, a big second year jump is definitely in the cards for Hertz. I mean, we saw that with Lamar Jackson, who had who's who had similarly terrible numbers passing as a rookie when he came in and replaced Flacco. Is that who you replaced? I feel like that's who you replaced. It's been a while, it's been two years now. Yeah. But <laughs> And then, obviously, Lamar Jackson, when they signed the offense around him, they turned everything into his offense. Um, they improved the passing weapons around him. He took a huge jump from his rookie season to his second season. I'm expecting something similar from Jalen Hurts. Now, keep in mind, he still averaged 282 passing yards and 79 rushing yards in the three games he started, the full, the full games he played. 282 passing yards and 79 rushing yards. For full context, over a 16-game season, I know it's a 17-game season, but people still are thinking in 16-game season numbers. Yeah, we got to figure out how we're going to do that. That's not today's episode. In a full 16-game season, that would that would extrapolate over to uh, 4,500 passing yards and 1,200 rushing yards, which is... Yeah, that's, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty he good. Could, he could, like, depending on the touchdowns, he could be number one quarterback in the NFL. Obviously, that's like a small sample, <clears throat> but I do think him as a runner gives him a very, very, very bankable floor. And then if he's good as a passer, like the sky is the limit with this guy. Like he could legit be the QB one. Yeah, it's like he's pretty much the only quarterback who's not in the elite class who, who's like a big time runner, right? Like there's mm-hmm. no other like kind of like lower end sleepery, not that he's a sleeper, but like lower end quarterbacks who are like true, true runners, which is why he seems like a no brainer. I feel like he's going to end up rising up the ranks. Because, yeah, because, that's why you know, I'm just, worried it's going to be hard to get him. Like it's going to be very, it's going to be hard to get him in in like auction leagues. Like he's going to get bit up. The only guy I would say that kind of like fits the same. There's two guys that fit the same category, and we'll talk about one of them later. Daniel Jones, who's again, I don't think he's as he's not the same type type of rusher. He's more of a scrambler. No. The yeah. only guy really that fits this category is Cam Newton. If Cam Newton is the starter. And you actually think he's going to start the whole season, all that stuff? I don't think he is. But if if he ends up doing that, then he has that, I guess, upside. But but yeah, you're right. I mean, Hertz is like the obvious like star runner. Doesn't really matter. I mean, like you said, those three weeks where he like went crazy, it's not like he like lit the world on fire as like a passer. Even though he threw for a lot of yards, like it's not like he was dicing up the defense, and he was the quarterback seven through that stretch. Yeah. So like, I yeah. mean, you could argue that's his floor, which is like, okay, why is he ranked? 10th like why isn't he seventh (laughs) again i think it's like the uncertainty and people and i think people believe that the eagles offense is just going to be a dumpster fire worse than last year i don't i don't think they're going to be i think they're going to be i don't think they're going to be elite but i think they're going to be like all right i think they're going to score points Um, i think i like the i like the weapons in this offense i like hurts i mean if you dude remember hurts absolutely lit it up at oklahoma i'm not saying like uh, that was obviously a big you know, product of the scheme and um, the weapons around him and, and the coaching and all that stuff. I get that. But I mean, he still absolutely lit it up at Oklahoma. So, I mean, this is a guy with a good college resume, uh, you know, a dual skill set, good runner, going to be used in the red zone. You know, I, I like a lot of things about him. Obviously, the second round draft capital is, is a little bit concerning. Um, you know, from the point of view where just not a lot of second rounders end up being, I guess, like long term starters, but I don't but know. You know, they're going to commit to him. Like, what do they have to lose? Like, right now, they don't have anything else. To, I mean, Joe Flacco, I think, is the backup. Who's yeah. the backup? 
Like, is, what are they going to do? It doesn't make <laughs> any sense to me. Uh, it is Joe Flacco and Nick Mullins, who's actually the arguably the best Nick quarterback Mullins. in the league. That's true. I guess so. I guess the only the the one thing and the other thing I will say that's probably a, a, making people worried, making drafters worried, is that we have, really don't know what Nick Sirianni is going to do. He's the new yeah. uh, head coach there. Like all of our impressions of him have been mostly negative. I think at this point, like his first press conference, he's like very robotic. He was just not ready. He's like reading yeah. from like a cue card. It was like painful. And then like we just don't know what kind of offense he's going to bring. If he's really going to design something around Hurts, I don't know. Um, yeah. Or maybe it's just, just like they see him as a placeholder this year. They're just going to, you know, tank or not tank, but like they're just not really worried about what happens this year and they are looking forward. But I, I think they should, you know, design an offense that fits Hurts and see what they can do. I agree. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusion supply. All right, next guy here. So I want to talk about Joe Burrow, who Fantasy Pros consensus has him at 13. We have him at 13, quarterback 13, that is. But, you know, this is another sophomore guy who could make the leap. To me, it wouldn't be crazy if next season we're talking about him as like a top seven guy. Um, In the Herbert conversation, right? Like yeah. Herbert's like an elite. Herbert, I feel like, is already considered an elite quarterback. It's crazy. Which is, yeah, which I love him, but it's kind of crazy. And like, I mean, yeah. Burrow has to be among the supporting cast. Like, I know he got hurt and he was like the quarterback 16 before he got hurt. The injury thing, like if you start with the injury thing, we talked about this on an episode last season. I'm totally, like, I don't care about it. The era of career-ending injuries is over. Dak signed a max deal after ripping apart his ankle. Kevin Durant is currently yeah. the best player in the NBA after tearing his Achilles, and his body is, like, the worst body to tear an Achilles. <laughs> um, and Dak, right. like, we don't even, I mean, he's, like, a top five or six projected quarterback. So we're in a different era now, and Burrow's knee is not something that I honestly am worried about. What I care about is... He's got a second year with Zach Taylor. They just drafted Jamar Chase. They have T. Higgins. They have Tyler Boyd. They're going to throw the ball a million times a game. Mm -hmm. And like we said on the last pod, like they could be the Cowboys North. I was listening to, I was on a flight today and I listened to this pod by JJ Zacharyson, who knows mm -hmm. a lot. And he had this whole episode about quarterbacks with a lot of good skill players. And it was like, if you have three skill players on your team that all get drafted in the top five rounds, Mm -hmm. Is the quarterback good? Just like by association, you know what I mean? It's like, wow, right. we have all these Bengals ranked high. Does that mean the quarterback will be ranked high? So what he tested out was basically on those teams where there are three plus skill players that get drafted in the top five rounds, the, the, the quarterbacks on those teams that are already good, they have a tough time living up to the hype. But the quarterbacks who are kind of not good, the non-elite guys who have elite skill players, usually outkick their coverage every season. Mm. They usually... By three ADP spots, they usually match. So Interesting, yeah. There's a couple guys this year that fit that category. You have Burrow, 
with his supporting cap because we have Mixon, you have Chase, Boyd, and Higgins are probably all hovering around top five rounds. And then you got Ryan Tannehill with Julio, Derrick Henry, and A.J. Brown. And then Kirk Cousins has kind of been there like the last three or four yeah. years. But th- the thing that Kirk doesn't have that Burrow and Tannehill has is the mobility. Right, right. And we'll I know we'll talk about Tannehill next, but like with Burrow, he kind of has everything um, in front of him. Every Like the stars are aligned for Burrow to like make the leap. I, I guess the knee thing is a worry. Maybe he won't like scramble as much or whatever. But yeah, yeah. With, with all of the talent around him and what history suggests, I know they didn't do a ton to his offensive line, but – would you be surprised if like the Bengals are putting up 35 a week, even if they're losing because they have a bad <laughs> defense? Like and, and Burrow's throwing for 360 yards a game? No, not really, honestly. i no. I love I love Jamar Chase. I love T. Higgins. I mean, Tyler Boyd is one of the more consistent guys. Obviously, Joe Mixon has a chance to finally take the jump. Um, I think it is worrisome a little bit that he that Joe Burrow recently came out and talked about how he, uh, he's not gonna be as mobile at least early in the season because his yeah. knee is still kind of like getting back to normal. I think you really have to like in the modern era, you can come back from an ACL injury in like nine months, but in reality you can't be like yourself. I think unless you're Adrian Peterson and just like right. built different, you can't really be yourself for like a full year and a half or two years after. So I wouldn't say I, I'm guessing Joe Burrow's not gonna be as explosive as he was as a scrambler. Yeah, I think he's he's a pretty good scrambler in college. Yeah, he is. And um, and, and as a rookie before he got hurt, obviously. And then, but I think you just can't really expect that. However, I think it's going to be kind of like Dak, where he's putting up so many yards and so many points, and then obviously they can still use him as a scrambler in the red zone if he wants. You know, maybe yeah. He'll doesn't find he a feel like he'll have like yeah four or five sneaky rushing touchdowns every year? Yeah, especially if you're spreading if you're spreading the offense out. Uh, sorry, if you're spreading the defense out. With all your weapons, I mean, sure, I could see it. Um, I hope they don't get him hurt again. But at the end of the day, like a lot of these injuries are sort of just like freak instances where, again, he was probably was he in was he in the pocket when he got hit? I think he was, and and so it's like one of those things where you just never really know when things like that are going to happen. Um, But yeah, I I like this. I think the offense. We talked about it with last week with the receivers that we love. We love all three of these receivers in this offense, and. A big part of that is because A, they go fast. B, they pass a lot. And um their defense sucks. <laughs> their defense sucks, yes. Which is like kind of like the holy trinity of what you want yeah. in fantasy. <laughs> yeah. It's like exactly why we love the Cowboys. Um, you know, and so I think, yeah, this is this has a chance to be really a lucrative, a lucrative offense to be a part of. And so um why would we discount? Why would we take Burrow out of that discussion if he's the one throwing the touchdowns, you know? So I, I like this a lot. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, he's going as the QB 13, so technically he's not going to be a starter in a 12-quarterback league, which I think uh, people would regret three weeks into the season. Yeah. And moving to another guy who I think still is kind of being underrated a little bit is Ryan Tannehill for the Titans. Every year, we do it. He's the Derrick Henry of quarterbacks, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Dude, he's been incredible. Um, 2019, he finished as a QB 9, and that's per game because he only played 12 games. Obviously, he came in replaced Mariota, um, mm-hmm. Mariota and and took over and was a revelation in that offense. Last year, he finished as a QB7. Still gets no respect for whatever reason. I think it's a lot to do with the the offense is kind of like a, it's a run-heavy offense. It starts slow. Um, there's, there's a lot of lingering narrative to the fact that he started his career so slowly. I think people haven't realized that he's 
been putting up basically elite numbers as a quarterback since he took over as starter in Tennessee. People think I I think people believe essentially like he's going to turn back into a pumpkin, you know, like at at midnight or whatever. And it's like it's like season one of Parks and Rec. And if somebody only watched that and then was like. Parks and Rec sucks. And you're like, no, keep watching. It gets amazing. And they're like, no, nah, did you see that first season? I'm never watching again. I'm never like, no, it. he, he yeah. got better. I saw this. I saw this really fascinating stat from Ryan McDowell the other day. He, he tweeted this out. Ryan Tannehill has made 26 starts for the Titans. He's been a top 10 fantasy quarterback in 16 of those games. 16 out of 26, top 10. That's, That's like unreal. ridiculously good. That's ridiculously good. And so... So obviously, all of those have come with Arthur Smith, that offense coordinator. He's generally thought of as one of the best, you know, play callers in the NFL. He's now the head coach of the Titans. Sorry, head, now he's now the head coach of the Falcons. Um, and so we don't really know exactly what the uh, what the Titans' offense is going to look like under you know Todd Downing. But I just feel like there's such good talent, especially with Julio in town now. They got that trifecta going. If if all those guys can stay healthy, at least the majority of the season, they got Derrick Henry, kind of like carrying the ground game, Julio, A.J. Brown running downfield. That play-action game is still going to be really strong, I think. No reason for them to change the identity and the philosophy of that offense. I would not. I would guess they are not going to do that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think any, it just makes any a lot runs. of sense. Yeah, and Tannehill is a one of those tactical scramblers. Like, he's yeah. he's fast enough to, like, he was a receiver in college. He's, he's athletic. Um, Scott Barrett from Fantasy Points actually posted this the other day, too. I think it's interesting. It gives you an idea of the quality of passer that Tannehill has been since he started with the Titans in that stretch since basically week seven of 2019. Tannehill is first in the NFL in yards per attempt, 8.4. First in adjusted yards per attempt. First in PFF grade. Second in fantasy points per dropback. And fourth in fantasy points per game. Why is he not higher on our list? That is the question. I guess it's uncertainty going forward. I guess, or he's... I think it's the fact that he was with Adam Gase in Miami. Adam Gase is like the Mark Brandanowitz of Parks and Rec season one, who was the least funny <laughs> character ever. And then he like kicked him, kicked his ass off the show, and then Parks and Rec got really good. Maybe Mark Brandanowitz <laughs> is Ryan Tannehill's Adam Gase. Oh, man. Well, anyways, his ADP right now, I believe, is QB 12, at least when I checked last week. We've got him at QB 11, and and honestly, that still feels too low. Like, he's the fourth, he's fourth in fantasy points per game the last two years. Should we get to uh, both of our collective, well, one of my favorite QBs of the year, and I think one of yours as well? Matt Stafford, baby. <laughs> Rams, all in. Dude. Flying coach, season two. I put this on here, and I knew that you were going to probably want to do Stafford too, so I think I just said we can tag team this guy. But basically, the idea is... We've seen what McVay's offense can do over the last few years with Jared Goff at quarterback. And I think the the idea that you're getting like an elite, strong-arm quarterback, aggressive quarterback in this offense, what he can do, what McVay can dial up for this offense. They're, and you still have the a really good skill group. Like, you know, the receiver core is even deeper this year than it has been in the past. Um, I just think overall... This offense has a chance to be one of the most explosive and most efficient offenses in the NFL. Um, if you go back to before, I guess, Jerry Goff lost his mojo, lost his confidence, Goff was a pretty good fantasy quarterback in this McVay mm-hmm. offense. He was the QB 12 in 2017, QB 7 in 2018, um, and then fell down to QB 13 in 2019, then completely fell off the map last year. Um, 
So, and again, like you have to factor in the idea that there's going to be more rushing quarterbacks now. So like, it's not apples to apples. It's a little bit different, but I still think that QB seven range that he hit in 2018, when everything was firing, like all cylinders are firing in this offense. I think that's like totally doable for Stafford, even though he's coming in and like people are sort of like overlooking him. Um, to be clear, Stafford is just so much better than Goff. Like that's the big yeah. Like, I think people are like, like, what's the difference between the Rams <laughs> now and then? They just add. I guess they don't have Todd Gurley, but like they they added Matt Stafford. Like what? Yeah. Why wouldn't this be better? Yeah. So I think it's it's you know there's question marks about the offensive line, which I think is fair. Um, but they are returning all five members of their line, which is nice. Yeah, and I think if they you know if they get lucky and they stay healthy, then this is like could be wheels up for this entire offense. We've got them at QB ten. Uh, the consensus rankings at Fantasy Pros have him at QB12. Um, I'm going to read off his finishes in the Lions offense over the last like six, seven years. 2015, QB9. 2016, QB7. 2017, QB7. 2018, QB20. Fell off. 2019, QB4 in points per game. He only played eight games and then obviously missed the second half of the year. And then last year, in the Rams clusterfuck of an offense, he was a QB15. I do think that QB7 to... Like QB five through seven range is, I think, a somewhat realistic thing. If he ends up um, getting this offense back to where it was twenty eighteen, um, that that like elite Sean McVay offense where all things were like all the all cylinders were firing, and they had the run game, they had the pass game, they had the play action game, they had everything working together in unison. Um, I think there's like a real chance he like play outplays his ADP by a lot. Yeah, and this is another one of those cases where it's like. You like Akers, you like Higby, you like Woods, you like Cup. It's like, well, you, then you got to like Stafford. And they have Deshaun Jackson, too, if you like him. Tutu Atwell, if you like him. Like, there are so many weapons on the Rams. Uh, and, you know, their defense is really good. So maybe they'll be in, you know, I, I don't know, maybe they won't be, like, in shootouts. But um, even if they're not, I think they're still going to throw it, like, 40 times a game. Yeah, I remember, like, last week, I was a little bit against your idea that they're going to be pass-happy. Um, but I think that looking at what they've sort of done last couple of years, like they added second round receiver last year, second round receiver this year. Um, they traded for a big arm quarterback in the off season. Like I definitely would agree that this offense is like, he wants to just get back to being like this scorched earth offense that we saw a couple of years ago. And um, you know, does that mean that they're going to be run heavy? Probably not. I think that means they're going to like spread the field out. They've got a lot of weapons on offense. They've got Deshaun Jackson. They've got the elite deep threats now, which they haven't had in the past couple of years. Um, Brandon cooks has been that guy a little bit here and there, um, but he's, he's not there anymore. And so I think getting back to that where they can spread out, do a lot of different things in different, in, in different formations, pass the ball over the field. I definitely can see that happening. It's why they did this. Why they, like, you know, spent all this, like, draft capital to get Stafford. They, they spent first round, a second-round pick on Van Jefferson last year, Tutu Atwell, Atwell this year. I don't know. I just, it is definitely kind of like, it's, it's what we're talking about with the Ravens, where they're telling us kind of like what they want to do. And we should, we should believe them. <laughs> yeah, you're going to, like, week four, he'll have, you know, a th- 1300 yards passing and you'll be like obviously this was going to happen like why did i not this makes so much sense you're just <laughs> going to be kicking yourself all right yeah we have one more here before we get to the sleepers i want to talk about trevor lawrence yeah who listen so trevor lawrence on the jaguars is the best quarterback prospect since andrew luck i would say is the consensus opinion about him uh andrew luck was the quarterback 10 he was the 10th best quarterback in his rookie season come off a fucking horrible colts team the year before like (laughs) he just like was immediately good 
Um, I think you could make the argument that Jags might have a better overall situation, weirdly. I mean, Daryl Bevel is a proven offensive coordinator, but like they got a lot of people on the team. They got yeah, they drafted yeah. ETN. James Robinson's good. They have Chark and LaVisca Chenault, and they have Marvin Jones, and like all five of their O linemen are returning. Why isn't Trevor Lawrence? He's basically going as the QB 16. That's interesting. And he's mobile. I mean, he kind of can run pretty well. So, like, what do you think is going on gazelle. with Trevor Lawrence? He's a gazelle, dude. He is, I yeah. think he's more mobile than Herbert. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's they're they're very they to me they profile similarly. Um, the big question, like in terms of athleticism, like they kind of they're like both very tall, skinny, you know, quarterbacks yeah. that can run. The question I have, and I think the big thing that maybe people are doubting or that like is holding him back from being in a tier higher than you know some of these other guys is will the Jaguars run him actually will they actually want him to be part of that run game where he's actually running you know zone read stuff and not just being a tactical scramble scrambler here and there is he going to be part of that run game that's the question he was part of the run game at clemson sometimes and he can run dude like he can he can break tackles and get away from people um he's very athletic very fast uh long strider like if he gets out into the open field that you can't catch him kind of deal uh I'm kind of like thinking there's a chance that they do use him in zone read stuff and like kind of just use it as a as a changeup, not necessarily, you know, 10, 15 times a game or whatever. But I mean, you remember Daryl Bevel was the offensive coordinator when Russell Wilson was a rookie. And halfway through the season, the CX were like, you know what? Like our drop back passing game isn't really working that well. Uh, we have this, you know, athletic quarterback who can really factor in in the run game. And they started running zone read stuff. And I remember the first time they did this, it was like, well, the first time they really like adopted it and like went with it is against the Bears. And they just like went off against the Bears in this game. Um, and they were just like, you know, Russell Wilson was breaking Brian Urlacher's ankles. It was like crazy. It was just all of a sudden came out of nowhere and they were like running the crap out of the ball. That really helped not just Wilson, but Marshawn Lynch. That like opened everything up for them because basically what that is doing is it's making... It 11, 11 on 11 on offense, where the quarterback is actually someone that the defense has to account for. And so that's a big deal. I could see them, you know, using it as a changeup. I don't, I don't know if I necessarily see them running him a lot, but I definitely think it could be a part of their offense where he's, you know, picking the ball up and running with it a few times a game. So I don't know what that means. I don't know if that like translates to him being a, a huge breakout star this year in fantasy. Um, but I do think it probably means he has more value than I think a lot of people may believe. I weirdly think he's going to go a little underrated even through draft season. I don't know if it's because he's it's in Jacksonville. Hilarious. Dude, the, the guy who's been the first pick for three fucking years, and then we barely talk about him in the pre-draft process because of all the other stuff that's going on. Like, Mac Jones is going to the 49ers. Like, everyone Justin was Fields. so... Yeah. Everyone was so... Like, and I'm, like, part of this. Like, believe me, I'm not just blaming other people. But, like, we barely talked about Trevor Lawrence. It was crazy in this in the last few months. It's just weird. He's like one supposed to be like one of the biggest prospects ever. <laughs> Literally ever. It's fucking bizarre that no one cares. I, like I don't understand. I don't know if it's because he's in Jacksonville and that's like not a marketable area or if he's kind of, of just yeah. He's kind of like I guess a quiet, understated guy. He's not the biggest personality. He's been the best, I guess, in people's minds for so long. Maybe they it's just like so got bored. It's like boring at this point. It is. It's like boring at this point, I think. It's like how LeBron should have won the MVP every year for like 10 seasons, and they're just like, well, we can't just do this. 
And it's like, <laughs> we're on year three of, of knowing that Trevor Lawrence is the best prospect. So maybe we're like, all right, let's talk about something else. But it's gone too long. We're supposed to bring it back. So yeah. I don't know. Trevor Lawrence, I mean, shit. He could be Andrew I don't know. Luck. I could see it. I could see it. Plus, again, like, same deal with the Bengals. I don't think they're going to be a good defense. They're probably going to be playing from behind a lot, at least this year. And so there could be a team where they have to run a lot of plays. And, you know, I don't know. It could That could mean big things for a fantasy. I, I definitely think he is... He's not like a one of the elite tier guys, but he's a guy that I would definitely like take a take a flyer on at that in the mid middle range of the quarterbacks. He's going after Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins, and he's going right before Carson Wentz. Like I, I, I think I'd gladly what? take him. I would way rather. I think I would take him, especially in a one quarterback league where you just want upside. Like you want upside. You don't want to get like like you know what Matt Ryan is. is. Yeah, exactly. And you just want to chase the guy who's going to give you that. That explosion of of points. And I think that's Lawrence. I think that's much more Lawrence than it is any of those other guys. All right. Well, do you want to get the sleepers here? Talk about some actual upside? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I would call these guys sleepers. They're not necessarily in the mainstream and they're definitely riskier. And I'll start out to give you some context. Like I'll start out with Justin Fields for the Bears is one of my guys. I think yeah. you can't take him as your QB1 necessarily. I mean, right now anyway, like we don't think That'd he's be pretty be cool the week if you one did. starter. <laughs> yeah, be ballsy. Um, ballsy. He's he's not likely to be the week one starter. At least that's what Matt Nagy would want us to believe. Like he's said he's promised the job to Andy Dalton, all this stuff. Um, but I think Justin Fields has, he does have a lead upside in fantasy. Honestly, I think it's like, it's the same conversation we were having about Justin hurts or sorry about Jalen hurts last year. Um, and earlier on this podcast, basically the rushing upside that he brings gives him that bankable floor. And if he's as good of a passer as I believe him, believe he is even in this bears offense, which is not, you know, stacked with talent. I don't know, man. I just think he has that, that upside to be top five top seven even if yeah. he doesn't like in per game numbers like you know even if he doesn't start the year like you have to wait it out a few weeks um he's a guy that i'm willing to like take him late in the draft not have to deal with waivers because right now he's like his consensus ranking right now at fantasy pros is 182 so you can get him in the late rounds i'd rather just grab him stash him and hope for essentially what we saw from from jalen hurts last year whether it's like week three week five week seven i don't know it's gonna be hard to hold him any longer than that, but like, if you get to that point, he has like down the stretch top ten, top five potential. Is he your number one recommendation for? I don't want to draft a quarterback until the last round or like the second to last round. Is he your first pick? Yes. So that's actually a great way of framing this. Is if you still want to go late round QB, you can go late round QB. Go with Matt Ryan. Go with you know, whoever, one of, like one of these guys that's going much later and then you just like Carson Wentz or whatever, if you want to just wait and stack the rest of your roster. But make sure you get one of these high upside guys. Justin Fields is a big one. And then the other guy that we want to talk about here is Trey Lance, who I think is basically the exact same conversation. He might have, yeah. he, he probably has a better situation. I'm not sure if he'll start earlier than Fields. I think if I had yeah. to guess, Fields would start before Lance. But... At the end of the day, I do think Lance is going to be the starter at some point this season for the 49ers. I saw the stat from Mike Clay at ESPN. <clears throat> of the 14 quarterbacks drafted, drafted in the top three since 2010, 14 quarterbacks, 10 have played in week one. Hmm. Two, of, two more took over in week three. So that's 12 out of 14. One more took over in week five. 
and the other was Jared Goff. So 13 out of 14 were starting by week five. Wow, that's actually amazing. Yeah, top three picks. That's, that's you know, obviously there's, there's different variables involved. Obviously the 49ers still have Garoppolo. He hasn't been the picture of health. He hasn't been, you know, exactly Mr. Reliable as a passer. So I don't know, man. I think Trey Lance has a good bet to start by week five. I'm not sure he's going to start before Justin Fields. That's why I'd have him like Fields just slightly higher. If the Bears don't start Fields week one, Chicago will riot. <laughs> Dude, they're not going to. absolutely has to start week one. <laughs> oh, my God. No, but they promised it to Andy Dalton. Like, who gives a shit, man? Break Stop. your promise. <laughs> Stop. What are we doing? They're going to so lose ridiculous. like 24 to 10 week one. And everyone's going to be like, what are we doing? Yeah, what are we doing? I believe the Bears are playing the Rams week one. And so like there's this. Oh, good. I hope they get smoked. <laughs> there's this theory that maybe the Bears are like, we're going to let Andy Dalton get annihilated by Aaron Donald. And then we'll bring in. But it's like, no, dude, just play your best player. That's the thing that I don't get. It's like, just just play your best player. Who do you want to see less, Andy Dalton or Justin Fields? I guarantee you. It's oh hell Fields. yeah! But these you can't you can't assume logical, rational thinking from NFL coaches. We've seen it time and again, man. I know. Regardless, regardless though, I think the point remains and the point stands. And I love this. You know, late round quarterback is still alive because these guys are still out there in the late rounds. Grab a late round quarterback who can be your week week one starter. Maybe it's fucking Andy Dalton. I don't care. But make sure you get Justin Fields or Trey Lance too. Because that is going to give you that upside that you're looking for. Yeah, like I would draft, like if you wanted to get tricky with it, draft like, like, you know, maybe Stafford or Tannehill or Kirk. And then also draft Trey Lance. Because then maybe, and you stash him the entire year, it's worth it. You don't need that roster spot that's going to be filled by like some random slot guy who will barely get any points for you. Just like, not going to be in your lineup. Yeah. Right. And maybe come week nine, he's like putting up 25 a game and you're a genius for having him on your team. Um, I love that. All right. A couple more guys that I think we think are worth at least just taking a flyer on. Who are, who are your guys like sleeper type players that might have that upside? These are, these are deep. These are like, I didn't do any research. <laughs> I just kind of thought about it. And I was like, maybe <laughs> like this could really come out of nowhere. All right. Daniel Jones. I kind of like this one actually. Yeah. Daniel Jones. He, I mean, we talked about the, the, the quarterbacks on teams with like three plus, yeah. Top five round skill players. I mean, the Giants have Saquon, they have Galladay, and then like Shepard, Slate, and Ingram. I mean, they got a pretty stacked cast on offense. Um, and Daniel Jones is pretty mobile. He was the quarterback 15 yeah. his rookie year. Like, if this was just his rookie, like if he was just coming off his rookie year and now he has this team in these narratives around him, I feel like he'd be going a lot higher. I obviously yep. that there's yep. a reason why he had a <laughs> shitty second year. Right. But like he's I don't know. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Is there a chance yeah. that Daniel yeah. Jones can make some splashes? Yes, I believe so. I think the honestly, people would be looking at this a lot differently if Jason Garrett wasn't the offensive coordinator. I think in the fantasy world, like Ian Harditz from PFF has this ongoing bit where he just posts like pictures of of Jason Garrett with his head out the window on the train. You know, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. it's so funny. I freaking love it because like they have so many, they have good skill players. They've got, you know, Saquon, Galladay, Shepard, Slayton, Evan Ingram, who's still around. Um, but then there's Garrett just like, you know, doing his thing. Look at sticking his head out the window. Just loving life. Yeah. Just adding all the wrong ingredients to the recipe. Yeah. If they had fired the OC and, and hired someone else, I feel like Daniel Jones's ADP would be like four rounds higher going into yeah. the season. 
Um, but the the oh well, well, we have to remember, and I and I have to make note that like J- Daniel Jones is a turnover machine, so that is also a factor here. He has not looked good. He threw, dude. He threw. I don't know off the top of my head. It was like fourteen touchdowns in sixteen games last year. Yeah, that's like tough. their offense was fucking terrible. I'm gonna look it up right now. <laughs> and so, he fumbled like three times a game. No, he started fourteen games. Sorry, I had the I had the wrong numbers. He started fourteen games last year and threw eleven touchdowns. That is sad. That's like well, truly sad. He had no Saquon. He had no receivers. <laughs> Who the hell was on his team? 14 games, 11 touchdowns, and 10 It was a COVID picks, year. Plus, it was like, Jason 20 Garrett. fucking fumbles. Like, the guy is, he was not, he's not good. I feel like, I definitely was, like, I, I'm definitely buying the Jason Garrett thing, but also, like, Daniel Jones was not good last year. We have to be clear about that. <laughs> okay, okay, well, then let me just, qu- let me quickly pivot, because I want to, I want to mention the second guy, and you tell me which one you'd rather have. Yeah. I think you're probably going to pick Daniel Jones. Drew Locke. <laughs> Yeah, uh, on the yeah. Denver Broncos, who I yes, I know Teddy Bridgewater's there. I think Drew Locke is going to start. They have another okay. talented offense. They have Judy, Sutton, Fant, all top five round guys, tossing Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. He's mobile. He takes risk. And if you look at his last season, you could kind of cobble together s- some decent stuff. He had, there was four games in 2020 where he had 24 points, 25 points, 30 points, and 20 points. He played 12 yeah. games. So a third of his games, he was like really good in fantasy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I would say that if you had to pick, I'd probably pick the the Broncos skill group over the Giants. Even though I like the Giants skill group, I still would pick the Broncos because I think there's. I, I really think Judy's ascending. Uh, Javante Williams, I think, is going to be a good rookie. You know, they've got Hamler in the wings. Like even oh, right. Tim Patrick. Too, yeah. Tim Patrick is like the best fourth running or fourth receiver in the NFL. You know what I mean? So it's like they have good weapons there. Yeah, Tim Patrick is like a season away from getting 15 million a year on the Pats. <laughs> Albert O is like the best number two tight end. <laughs> like he flashed last year. He's like 4-4 guy. Uh, yeah. They've got weapons. But yeah, I mean, I don't really trust Locke. And I and I I don't know if I trust this coaching staff to start Locke. I think they're probably going to, there's like a chance they could start Bridgewater just because they think I don't, that. They, said, they spent a six round pick on him. Yeah. I know, uh, I know. Yeah. It's one of those things like, so speaking of funny numbers, like, Daniel Jones, 14 touchdowns or 14 starts and 11 touchdowns. Last year, Drew Locke, 13 starts, 16 touchdowns. That's better. Like, neither, slightly better. Slightly better. 15 picks, though. <laughs> Probably like, less just, fumbles. It's yeah. just yellow in it. Um, so I don't know, man. They're both pretty, pretty terrible options. I would say Daniel Jones gets the nod for sure, though, because he was a what, the sixth pick overall? The Giants are married to him for now and Locke was a second rounder who the team I don't think has any real commitment to don't you think though it would be smart like why I I guess if you think you can win the Super Bowl maybe you like why wouldn't you just start Locke for like three games because you know what Bridgewater is like why would you you pencil in you could pencil in three starts for him for sure though I guess the idea is will he be the start of the whole year yeah but yeah that's my that's the question is it's it's one of those things where you know, you don't, you don't, there's enough uncertainty there that he'll even be the starter. That is he worth a draft pick, you know? Listen, I, I'm not saying you draft him. I'm not saying that's a wise okay. move. All I'm saying is good waiver wire ad. Yeah, you keep your get eyes on him. on the waiver wire for, or if you're in an auction league, it's a dollar. <laughs> I'm saying it right now. I'm going to be the guy who said Drew Locke is good. All right. I like it. Uh, speaking of Harditz, I think he's on that, that 
train also. Uh, one more guy I want to add to this because I, I think I'm, well, there's, I'm not the only one, but I feel like I'm, I'm taking crazy pills a little bit. Like is Taysom Hill, I think is still in the competition to be quarterback of the saints this year. I don't want to fucking um, touch the saints quarterback. They're going to go back and forth. They're going to like each play 50% of the snaps. I don't want it's any It's going to be a, yeah, you're right. It's going to be a big pain in the ass, but if Taysom Hill wins the job, Winston just goes off the rails. Is is the well? He stays off the rails. I should say he's yeah. remains the guy who can't not turn it over. He just it's in his DNA. He's he's going to turn the ball over. It's like Daniel Jones and Drew Luck. You're going to turn the ball over. If Taysom Hill can prove that he's like the better option for them to win games and he's the starter, I think there's there's a realistic scenario where that's the case that Taysom Hill is just the starter. In his four starts last year. He completed 72% of his passes. Uh, he averaged 208 yards passing per game with four touchdowns and two picks, plus 272% of his passes is bullshit. Well, I guess that doesn't really matter. The point is, 208 He's just passes. dumping off things and, th- and throwing deep balls to air. You're right. But the big de- the big deal is going back to the rushing thing is like he's a rusher. He can he can feature in in the red zone. He had as many rushing touchdowns in his four stars last year as his passing touchdowns, four and four. Uh, his 16 game rate. Obviously, it would be 16 touchdowns and 16 rush TDs. That's, you know, again, small sample. Doesn't matter. It's not but impossible. Look at, look at, so look at where he finished in the four games he started last year. Week 11, he was a QB4. Week 12, he was a QB11. Week 13, the QB8. Week 14, the QB11. He was a QB1 every week he started, and he's the QB25 yeah. right now. And that's because there's massive uncertainty whether he'll even be the starter. You could, this could be a wasted pick. If you do pick him, at the end of the day, he could just be like a situational guy like we saw last year and, and Winston will be the starter. But I think it's at least worth talking about him that he could be the starter. He could end up being a freaking QB1 because he's so good in the red zone as a rusher. I'm not even saying he's a good passer. I think he was better than people thought he would be. And people, I think he was a better passer than people will admit now. You love Taysom Hill. Dude, this sucks. I hate being in Taysom's corner because it's like this you is love such an annoying. So much. No, I don't. It's like ridiculous. I don't I hate that I have to like be the Taysom hype man because I was never on board with that. You've been on him for the past year. You've been on because the hype people train. the reason it's like being like it's because everybody thinks he sucks. And I don't think he, he does was as suck. Bad. He sucks. It, no, that's the that's what I'm saying. He wasn't as bad as people thought he was. He, he did he didn't suck. He was all right. To Sort of all right. He would be the most gimmicky top twelve fantasy quarterback of all time. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> sure, I, just I, say I it. Yeah, you're basically betting on Sean Payton's ability to just like finagle Taysom Hill's way into like accruing yards and touchdowns, which you know what might be he a did good it call. Last year, <laughs> <laughs> we've seen it. We have yet to see him do it with fucking Jameis Winston. If he loses to Jameis Winston in camp, you still feel good about him? Well, I wouldn't use a pick on him. Probably I'd wait for the waiver wire because I think Jameis Winston loses his job by week three because he's throwing picks left and right. Pick sixes all day. Would you rather have Daniel Jones or Jameis? As a, not in fantasy, as a real-life quarterback. Daniel Jones. Okay. Heifetz <laughs> just cheered <laughs> wherever he is right now on a beach. Uh <laughs> I mean, that's a low bar, but yeah, Daniel Jones. Oh, sorry, Heifetz, low bar. All right. Well, <laughs> to, to summarize our, our top targets, we have Lamar, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Ryan Tannehill, Matt Stafford, 
uh, Trevor Lawrence, and then our little sleeper section, we have Fields, Trey Lance, Daniel Jones, and Drew Locke, kind of, and DK's number one <laughs> overall pick, Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill. God damn it. Uh, I just don't think he's good. I think it's just because they kept cutting to his like 50-yard passes that were literally to the fans. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> is, I mean, I get just, it. I'm not saying he's I, I'm not saying he's going to be like an elite quarterback. I'm just saying he has value in fantasy football because he runs. That's it. They should genuinely just run the, the, the triple option with him every time. Yes. Why not? Just Go full it. army. Yeah. I mean, there are other options. James Winston. Who throws picks a lot and fumbles a lot. Kind of like Jameis. Like, let's not forget that. Jameis is a good passer when he completes it to his own team. Like, he's aggressive and all that. Yeah. He just, I don't think you can coach the the YOLO ball out of him, to be honest. So Especially because we'll he's, he's, like, kind of late in his career. It's not like you know, these, like, Daniel Jones, Drew Locke guys who are really young. Yeah. Like, Jameis has been around. We've seen it. I don't know. I feel like yeah. I know. I, well, the... To be clear, the beat reporters, I think right now, the consensus is that Jameis is going to win the job. So just keep that in mind. I'm this, I'm zigging while everyone else is zagging. And I'm not like, you know, I'm certainly not more informed about the, the Saints' plans than the Saints' beat reporters are. But I think there's enough uncertainty there. I respect it. the zag. Yeah. Anyway, that's all we got. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how to do the outro. Heifetz always does this part. Kind of new Thank to you, it. Craig. Craig. Thank you, DK. Oh, yeah. Can you do? How about you do a band this time? How about that? Thank you, Lauren. Thank you, Matchbox Twenty. Wow, I don't know why <laughs> wow. they popped into my head. What? <laughs> Maybe you should do this every week. <laughs> Rob Thomas. 20. That was wow. I never would have. I that haven't one. listened to them in probably ten years. I don't. The brain is a curious <laughs> organ. I don't know <laughs> yeah, how that, that works. is weird. <laughs> uh, thank you, Craig. And we will be back on Thursday. 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 All right. And Heifetz, I believe, will be out for that again. So you get us again. It's going to be fun. We'll see. Maybe we'll make him call in from a beach. Do take Tahoe. I know. That's what we got to do. We'll see. We'll try and get him on the line. All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs>